thankful to be in the house of God, aren't you? Amen. Amen. You know, I, I preached, Pastor Don's given me the privilege, I preached this morning's first service at 9.30. I have to admit, I'm not a rehearsed preacher. Um, I hope that's okay. So I probably said things this morning, Fred, that I didn't say, uh, that I'm not going to say in this one, and I'm probably going to say things in this one that I didn't say in the first one. Amen. Because I don't rehearse preaching, I pray for the anointing. Is that okay? Uh, like Pastor introduced, I am TJ Dewitt. Some of you know me, some of you don't. Um, we have accepted position in Duncan, Oklahoma, and I shared this with the people in the first service. I preached last Sunday for them, and they recorded it and put it on Facebook. They have a great Facebook ministry. And um, I, I checked it yesterday, and it had 1.1 thousand views um, of that message. So. That's, that's just in, in seven days, so um, what an incredible thing, and a little bit nerve-wracking. One of my pastor friends said, that's a lot of eyeballs on you. I said, don't, don't make me nervous. <laughs> so I'm so blessed that God took me, now you can relate to this, took me, a nobody, and used me for his glory. And I believe that God has a calling for each and every one of us today, and I'm so blessed to get to walk in that calling. If you have your Bible... I'm not going to read the word just yet, but I want you to start getting there. I'm going to be in 2 Samuel chapter 4. We'll read it in just a moment, and then we'll skip to chapter 9. I was all this week in preparing for this message. Oh, before I even start, I want to do this. Pastor Don, um, when, I found, when he asked me to preach, he invited us into our home for dinner with him and his, uh, some of his children. We're so blessed to spend time with them. But folks, let me, let me assure you of this. You have the finest set of people to lead you here today in this church. Could you, now, now I could say this because I'm not pastoring anymore, and I'm leaving today. In fact, I'm, I'm leaving this county today, you know, in, in just a little while, so I can say this. Folks, if you don't give these people double honor, God will not bless your life like he can. These set, this set of pastors, I'm going to embarrass them saying this, you need to invite them out to eat every chance you get. You need to love on them, shower them with gifts on their birthdays, anniversaries. And as humble as they are, they'll probably refuse it and turn it down and say, you ought not to. But let me tell you something. God has called two precious, precious people to your life. And you should be so grateful for them. Could you give them honor and praise by a hand clap of appreciation? And I can guarantee you this. Your pastor, as many phone calls as he gets with problems, he would not be uh, put, put off by a phone call just to say, I love you. You know, so keep that in mind in your week. Is that hard preaching? Is that hard preaching? He can't say it, but I will. Praise God. This whole week leading up to this message, I had one, um, one topic and idea in my mind, the idea of anger and rage. And so I've been praying about this, and maybe I've been watching too much Gunsmoke or such. There was an episode the other day um, where a man's Indian wife was killed, so he was getting vengeance. So I just had in my mind ingrained anger, revenge. I even had a, a sermon titled uh, called uh, The Crossroad of Rage and Revenge. You can use that, Pastor, free of charge. I had a little uh, thing made up that we could show on the projector. But, but every time that I'd go to the drawing board and I'd go to, to my prayer time and and I'd say, God, you know, I've got this in my heart. Would you pour into me, pour into me? I, I, I would be like the 
writer, you see the picture, who he's got a bunch of crumpled up pieces of paper all around his desk. I just couldn't go the direction that I knew God was trying to lead me. I was like the stubborn mule that I just wouldn't go the way that he wanted me to, to go. And I, couldn't, I kept hitting roadblock after roadblock. And finally, out of frustration, I told Shauna, I'm going to go to the most spiritual place I know. I'm heading to McDonald's to pray. And, <laughs> and we live in Panama. And I told her it was 7, 8 o'clock. I knew things were going to be shutting, shutting uh, down and closing. I said, I just want to be around some people. I just want to get around some people and pray and, 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 you know, just try to spend some time with God in public. And, and I don't know, just a way, doing something different to help my, my mind get clear and, and focus on God. And on the way there, I was listening to the song on the radio by Sidewalk Prophets called Come to the Table. And I just began to weep and think and pray on this song. And, and I get into to McDonald's and, and I order me a, a caramel frappe. And Shauna gets embarrassed when I order them because I call them frappies. I don't want one of them frappies. And so I got me a frappy, and I sat down with my iPad, and Pastor said it was probably the anointing oil from the chicken or cheeseburger or whatever I had. <laughs> And uh, all that grease coming out of it. But I just began to, to pray in McDonald's. And I wasn't embarrassed one bit about it. And I, I had my iPad there and I was reading some word and scriptures. And I just had this song on repeat. I had my big old ear headphones on. And, and I looked like a fool, but I didn't care. And I just sat there and I began to pray and, and listen to the song. And I had it on repeat. I probably listened to it three or four times before I even did anything. I just set the stage of worship in McDonald's. Praise God. Uh, and anyways, I'm sitting there, and, and I'm praying, and I, and I just begin to cry before the Lord, and, and I know I look goofy, but I didn't care. I just wanted to hear from God, and my spirit was quickened by the story in 2 Samuel, and I want us to read it today. If we could stand for God's word, if you're able. 2 Samuel chapter 4, verse 4, and then we're going to skip to chapter 9. There's a little bit of reading here, so stay with me. 2 Samuel chapter 4, verse 4 says, And Jonathan, Saul's son, that's King Saul, had a son that was lame in his feet. He was five years old when the tidings came of Saul and Jonathan out of Jezreel. And his nurse took him up and fled. And it came to pass as she made haste to flee that he fell and became lame. And his name was Mephibosheth. Now let's skip over to chapter 9. I'll give you a couple seconds to get there. And David said, chapter 9, verse 1, is, this is King David now, Is there yet any that is left in the house of Saul that I might show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? And there was in the house of Saul a servant whose name was Ziba, and they uh, had called him unto David. The, uh, the king said unto him, Art thou Ziba? And he said, Thy servant is he. And the king said, Is there not yet any of the house of Saul that I may show the kindness of God unto him? And Ziba said unto the king, Jonathan hath yet a son which is lame on his feet. And the king said unto him, Where is he? And Ziba said unto the king, Behold, he is in the house of Machir, the son of Amiel, in Lodibar. The king, then king David sent and fetched him out of the house of Machir, and the son of Amiel, from Lodibar. Now when Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, was coming to David, he fell on his face and did reverence. And David said, Mephibosheth, and he answered, Behold, thy servant. And David said unto him, Fear not, for I will surely show thee kindness for Jonathan, thy father's sake, and will restore thee all the land of Saul, thy father. And thou shalt eat bread at my table, when continually. 
And he bowed himself and said, What is thy servant thou, that thou shouldest look upon such a dead dog as I am? And the king called unto Ziba, Saul's servant, and said unto him, I have given unto thy master's son all that pertain to Saul and to all his house. Thou therefore and thy sons and thy servants shall till the land for him, and thou shalt bring in the fruits that thy master's son may have food to eat. But Mephibosheth, thy master's son, shall eat bread always at my table. Now Ziba had fifteen sons and twenty servants. Then said Ziba unto the king, According to all that my lord the king hath commanded his servants, so shall thy servant do. As for Mephibosheth, said the king, he shall eat at my table as one of the king's sons. And Mephibosheth, a young son whose name was uh, Micha, and all that dwelt in the house of Ziba were servants unto Mephibosheth. So Mephibosheth dwelt in Jerusalem, for he did eat continually at the king's table and was lame on both his feet. Would you pray with me? Father, I'm so thankful for this word to be poured into my life, God. I just pray now, Father, that you would give me clarity of speech and quickness of memory that I can recall the word in which you've spoken in my heart. Father, breathe life into this message, a life that can go forth and, and be poured into the lives of these people. God, anoint me, anoint this time together. God, we've came to you in repentance. We've stood in intercession for our community, God. And we've set the, the atmosphere of worship because, God, our prayer is for you to come and dwell with us, your people, today. I pray, God, that you would hide me behind the cross. Don't let my own iniquities hinder your word going forth, but speak life into these people, God, that only the Holy Spirit can do, that not what TJ can do, but God, do something through the throne of heaven. God, do something, do a miracle today. God, show your realness to us today. Let us not leave here the same, but change forever in your glory, in your righteousness. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you for standing and be seated today. Y'all's going to have to back me up today. Is that, is that okay? I was reading an uh, a article about church culture and, and how people are scared to give cult, too much church culture because the unchurched don't know about church and, and using words like anointing and, and, and I don't even know. But anyways, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to teach you church culture 101. On. We're going to learn some church words today that you can use in the service, Okay. First one's going to be amen. We've all heard the preacher say it, and most of us have said it. So on the count of three, let's all say it together with a good hearty amen. Are you ready? One, two, three. Amen. Okay, so nothing less from that. Okay, that set the, set the bar. The next one, this is going to be a little bit harder, but I think we can do it. Are you ready? Glory. Okay, on the count of three, let's do it. One, two, three. Glory. Now this one is tricky, Pastor. But I, I have faith in your people. Are you ready? Hallelujah. Okay, are you ready? One, two, three. Hallelujah. You are more than welcome to use any and all these words in today's message. And I encourage you to do so. Let's get excited for God. Can we give him a hand clap of praise? This message, as I begin to pray about it and think about it and and dig into it and look into it. There's a few things I, I want us to talk about um, through the scripture. Mephibosheth, that's a, that's a tongue twister. It, can, it sure can be. Um, in fact, for the longest time, I just called him Mephib because I couldn't get past Mephibosheth. 
Mephibosheth, Mephibosheth, Mephibosheth. Okay, can y'all say that? You ready? One, two, three. Mephibosheth. Okay, I got a couple of you. But in church life, I've noticed with churched and unchurched, um, a lot of, sometimes people will recognize the story of Noah and Jonah. And then you have people who, who literally don't know those stories. But I can almost guarantee you that we are all just about on the same playing field when it comes to Mephibosheth. Not many preachers preach on them, and not many preachers talk about them. And so whether you've been in church for 20 years or for two days, um, we're probably all about the same part of Mephibosheth, and I think we're going to learn something today. So where does the Word of God share with us that Mephibosheth is? In, in chapter 9, verse 4, it says that he is in a place called Lodibar. And I want us to talk about where, what is Lodibar, where is it, and, and who stays there. The very meaning of Lodibar is not having or no pasture. And how many of you know that without pasture, it's hard to grow anything? It's hard to keep anything. If I wanted to go in the cattle business and I had no pasture, I would probably be in trouble because I wouldn't have a way to feed them or keep them and, and let them graze and spend time. If I wanted to plant food for myself to grow and, and eat, I would have trouble if I had no pasture. So we could get the picture of just the word itself that Lodi Bar is a place of desolation, of destitution, and I can guarantee it's a place of sadness and sorrow. Lodi Bar is a place where Mephibosheth, someone who's crippled up and handicapped, they didn't have social security then, they didn't have a welfare way, he was just put there to die. It's a town of forgotten people, including Mephibosheth, son of David's best friend Jonathan, who let's, let us not forget, was the son of King Saul. In Lodi Bar, we would find the lost, the unskilled, the uneducated, the outcast from society. I'm not preaching about Poto, Oklahoma today. I'm preaching about Lodi Bar. But I think if we looked around, we could see some similarities if we talk about these people. And that's anywhere you go, Panama included, as great as it is. Those whom would be scorned, those who would, we would pass by and pay no attention, those who would just be another statistic on the government report. We live in Lodi Bar. We pass by people who live in Lodi Bar. We see people in Lodi Bar. We have neighbors that in Lodi Bar. Friends, I'm here to tell you today, Lodi Bar is not just a story in the Word of God. It's a place that people saved and unsaved live even today. But I want you to look at the person next to you and say, I don't have to stay in Lodi Bar. Praise God. You know, we walk around, we drive around, we ignore Lodi Bar because it's a place of forgotten people. And I can guarantee you, like I guarantee people in the more first morning service, I guarantee you there are people sitting here this morning who are in a place of spiritual Lodi Bar, that the enemy has gotten them cornered into a corner. They're living in, on Main Street in Lodi Bar. And, and, and I guarantee there's people here that you could, if you were honest with, you, with yourself, you'd say, I'm right in Lodi Bar. I'm in a place of no growth, of no pasture. I'm in a place of nothingness. 
and I need God to speak to me today. Well, friend, let me tell you, he sent some country boy from Panama, Oklahoma to share with you today that just like Mephibosheth, you don't have to stay in Lodibar either. He has given you grace and mercy to leave a place of desolation so that you can stay with him forever. Lodibar is a place that, that people who stay there, they don't just go there. You don't go to Lodibar to vacation. You don't go to Lodibar to visit family. You don't go there to live. It's not a place that you go to. It's a place you're put. Mephibosheth, it wasn't his fault he was there. It wasn't his fault that his father died at five years old. It wasn't his fault that his grandfather, the king, died. It wasn't his fault that he was dropped by somebody and lamed as a child. It wasn't his fault he was forgotten. Friends, let me tell you something today. It is not your fault for someone coming against you and abusing you. It is not your fault for being taken advantage of. It is not your fault for the enemy placing a target in your back and trying to shoot everything he has. You. It's not your fault that you ended up in Lodi Bar, but unless we come to a realization, lest we come and know that we are in Lodi Bar, there's no chance for us to ever get out. I can't travel from Panama, Oklahoma to Poto, Oklahoma, unless I know I'm starting in Panama. If I didn't know I was in Panama, I wouldn't know to come out on Missouri Street up to Main Street, take a left on Highway 59, and drive about 15, 20 miles this way. I wouldn't know unless I knew where I started at. And friends, people who live in Lodi Bar, people, people like you and like I who are stuck there, put there by the enemy, it becomes a normal thing for us to be in a place of desolation. And it is hard to, to get out of a place of desolation when it is your normal. It's hard to get out of your own normal place unless you realize that this is made my normal. This isn't what God wants my normal to be. This is what my enemy wants me to believe. But friend, today if we can agree together that I'm not meant to be in Lodi Bar and I'm not staying in Lodi Bar, we can get out and be at the King's table continually. Would somebody give God praise? You didn't put yourself there. And I want us to, before this plane even gets off the runway, we have to understand, I can't get out unless I admit where I am. The enemy has done everything he can to make you believe that you've got to stay there. He's crippled you. He's torn you apart. He's abused you. He's taken advantage of you. He's dropped you. He's done everything he can to make, you, make sure you're in a place of no growth. But friends, let me tell you something. That is not what God's plan for you is today. One of my favorite songs that, that I've been quoting, it's in verse 2 of Psalm 40. It says, He brought me up also out of the horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and set my feet upon a rock and established my goings. I think we get into a place, as Christians especially, that we, we're supposed to be saved. We're not supposed to be in Lodi Bar. But we get so far into a, the miry clay that we don't think God's hand is strong enough to reach down and pull us out. That's not true, friend. That is not true doctrine of Christ. God's hand is not too short, nor is it too uh, weak to reach down and pull you out of whatever miry clay. I love the song that says, He brought me out of the miry clay. He set my feet on the rock to 
this day. Friends, when we believe in a mighty God who has mighty strength and we admit that we have no strength of our own, he is able to reach down in whatever trouble you're in. He's able to reach down in whatever sorry situation you're in and he can pull you out of that place in which the devil's trying to mentor you must stay in. Oh, we serve a mighty God. We serve a strong God. We serve a, a God who is the king above all kings. And in his being king, I want us to talk about my next point, a kind king. King David, in verse 7, we find that he wanted to show kindness to someone of Saul's house because of his best friend, Jonathan. And let us not forget that David and Jonathan were best friends like brothers. And, and there was a promise made between these Jonathan say, Jonathan knew David was meant to be king. Jonathan knew that David would be king. And he made him promise to show kindness. And David promised to his friend, I will show kindness to your family always for your sake, for the sake of our friendship. So David is fulfilling that promise. He's saying, is there anyone in the house of Saul that I can show kindness to for Jonathan's sake? Friend, let me tell you, I feel the Holy Ghost here when I say this. Jesus Christ has made a promise to you and I. And He has made a promise to give us everlasting life. And He is going to the Father, our King. He is going to mighty God saying, I made a promise to show kindness to Pastor Don's family. I made a promise to show kindness to T.J. Dewitt. I made a promise to show kindness to them. So God, if it be possible, let me make that promise come true. David had made a promise as a kind king. And he called for Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth's reaction was probably one of normality. I'm sure that when the call came to Mephibosheth that the king wanted to speak to him, he knew it was his time to die. Why is that? Let me, let me teach you. Culturally, in this kingdom, when a new family would take the throne, it would be expected that all the other household would be killed so that a young heir wouldn't come up, rise up, and take the throne. Mephibosheth was heir to the throne under King Saul's uh, kingdom, under his uh, heir. So Mephibosheth could possibly be an enemy of David if he rose up and was able to take the throne. So naturally, in our flesh, we would think David would want to kill Mephibosheth. And I guarantee you that's what Mephibosheth thought when the call came that David wanted to see him. I'm sure he knew, it's my day to die now. But friends, what a wonderful, wonderful plot twist when we see that David's longing to do to Mephibosheth is nothing but kindness. Mephibosheth came and called himself a dead dog. Why would you show kindness to me? Friends, in actuality, that's how our God, that's how we have to reverence our God, it seems. We're just dead dogs. Why would he show kindness to me? But friends... When you get with God at his table, it's not our own righteousness. Our righteousness is as filthy rags. Do you know the reason why God wants to show kindness to you and I? Because he's saying, I made a promise with my son that I would show kindness to you on his behalf. 
He paid the price for you and I. He paid the price uh, that we could sit at the table. He left the table and went to the cross so that you and I would have a permanent place at the table of the king. Friends, God is crying out to us, come to the table today. Mephibosheth wasn't just invited to spend time with the king for a day, for a dinner. He was invited to eat at his table continually. What's that mean? Forever. He was invited to spend time in his courts forever. He was invited to come to the table forever. God from the throne of heaven is calling you and I to come to his table, but not for just a Sunday morning time, not for just a 10-minute altar call that we're going to have, but he's calling you to come to his table so that you can eat with him continually, that you can spend time with him continually, that forever and ever in all eternity you have a place seated at his table. So I begin to pray in McDonald's. And I shared with this before, and I'll share it with you. I look like such a fool, I'm sure. People thought I, I know people thought I was crazy. My heart broke as across my way there was a group of teenagers using vulgar language and F this and F that. And I'm sitting there in my little booth with my iPad and my headphones on. And I was praying that away. I was praying that down. I said, God, I pray that this anointing that's here on me moves over to that table and begins to convict hearts of these young people. That they would change their ways. Uh, while they were there cussing, I was in my little booth tongue-talking, praying that God Almighty would come down into this restaurant and move. I'm sure I look crazy, but I didn't care. My wife will tell you. She's not here to tell you herself, so I'll share with you. I have no shame. I was all pinned to the cross. I have none of that. Uh, I, I, don't, I'm, I don't care what I look like. I was having church in McDonald's, praise God. And, and I sat there and, and I prayed, God, I've, I've had this topic on my heart of anger. Why are you, why are you moving me in a new way? What, what are you trying to speak to me? Come to the table. Come to the table. And this was one of those thus saith God moments in my life. And I heard God speak plainly to me in my spirit. He said, and I can quote this, this is a message about anger and rage. Just like it's a message about hurt, rejection, and pain. I want you and all your problems to come to my table and be with me. It's about our anger and our pain and rejection. I'm sure Mephibosheth was angry his whole life that he was dropped by somebody. I'm sure if you admit it, you've got anger and hurt in your life from times that you've been dropped in your life by somebody. I'm sure there's wounds, crippling wounds that affect you even today because of somebody that dropped you in the past. It is about anger. It is about rage, but not what we can do with it or not how we can get over it, but how how much more God's grace calls us despite of it. He's crying out to spend time with us. He doesn't care of our handicaps. He doesn't care of our crippling problems. He just wants us to come how we are and sit at his table. Hallelujah. I know there's hurt people here. You've been dropped. You've been let down. You're in pain. And you're in a place of desperation. But you don't have to stay there anymore. You might think, but you don't know my situation. I don't, I don't need to know your situation. 
I know God's grace is greater. I don't need to know your, your situation, how hard it is. I feel sorry that you've had to endure so many things. I, I'm so sorry that the enemy's attacked you in this way. But that's not God's plans for your life. You don't have to stay in Lodi Bar. And friend, guess what? Once you get out there, you don't have to ever go back. Because you have a place at the king's table. God's saying to us today, come to the table. Could we stand this morning? I loved it when God said that to me. Because I was a little bit confused, I'll be honest with you, saying, God, you put anger in my heart, you put frustration in my heart, you put rage in my heart. Why am I thinking of these things and so clearly how precedent it is? It is about your anger, it is about your rage. Just as much as it's about your hurt, your pain, your rejection. It's about you taking all these things that has handicapped you in your life and accepting, no matter what the problem is in your life, accepting that God Almighty has called you to His table. In closing, I want to read to you the first verse and the first chorus of Come to the Table by Sidewalk Prophets. It says, The outside looking in... This is where grace begins. We were hungry. We were thirsty with nothing left to give. Oh, the shape that we were in. Just when all hope seemed lost, love opened the door for us. He said, come to the table. Come join the sinners who have been redeemed. Take your place beside the Savior. Now sit down and be set free. Come to the table. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm going to 